0: Hi, it's Elise Lunen, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest, the actress Minka Kelly, author of the New York Times best-selling memoir, Tell Me Everything. High schoolers are busy, but no one's too busy to help fight cancer. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is looking for their next student visionaries of the year. Could that be your child? High schoolers who participate in the seven-week philanthropic leadership development program gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Forming strong teams behind them, they fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor right in their local community. Hi, it's Elise Lunen, host of Pulling the Thread. On this show, we pull apart the web in which we all live to understand who we are and why we're here. Pulling the Thread is about big questions, why we do what we do, how we can understand our own experiences within a larger spiritual and historical context, the ways in which we might begin to understand ourselves and each other better, and what's required to heal ourselves and our world. I'll be joined in conversation by luminaries and wise elders those who have laid tracks in their work and lives to help us bring meaning and understanding to a world that often feels chaotic and overwhelming. My hope is that these conversations spark moments of resonance and plant tiny seeds of awareness so that we might all collectively learn and grow.
1: I am not thankful for how hard it was. I don't believe we have to suffer to be great people. I do believe great empathy and depth and love come from all these hard parts, yes. But I don't think that they're a requirement for empathy. So when it comes to the narrative or the adage of I'm so thankful for this painful thing, it's a great way for us to survive these painful things. But I. I resist the urge to be thankful for how hard things were sometimes because what I think of is, man, if I'm this despite all of that, who would I be had all of that not happened? Had I had proper guidance and education and a parent who nurtured my interests, what kind of instrument would I be playing right now? How many languages would I be speaking right now? What sort of companies would I be running right now? You know, because. When I tap into certain things in the world and my curiosities, when I'm living, I I, I think, God, I'm good at this a little bit. Wow, I wonder what I would be capable of, you know, so that makes me begrudge the hard things. It doesn't make me thankful of them. It makes me go, God,
0: what if? While Minka Kelly is most known for playing Lila Garrity, the all-American cheerleader on the hit Emmy Award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, that's definitely not the most remarkable thing about her. And this role, where Minka played a spoiled, beautiful, and rich cheerleader, is almost diametrically opposed to Minka's actual childhood, grounded in trauma and neglect. Minka's mother was a stripper who struggled with addiction, and Minka couch surfed her way through her early life unmoored and often untended. At one point, they even lived in the storage unit. Minka tells this story in her New York Times bestselling memoir, Tell Me Everything, which manages something rare. It is both an honest and unflinching revelation of a very challenging and abusive childhood, as well as a love letter to her single mom. This is very difficult to do, and a testament to Minka's strength, resilience, and desire to heal. Her willingness to hold her mother close while acknowledging everything she did not receive as a child is a gift to read. It's a stunning book. Okay, let's get to our conversation. Minka, how are you doing? How many weeks out are you from publication?
1: It's been almost
0: a month, yeah. Well, congratulations. I just saw you on the monthly audiobook bestseller. So that's (laughs) hard. All of these lists are hard. How do you feel? Do you have sort of postpartum or do you feel like you've taken a vulnerability bath or is it relieving?
1: All of the above. (laughs) And also congratulations to you too. Thank you. I'm devouring your book. I have so many, like, I love it so much. And as I said, I'm such a huge fan of yours. So
0: it's oh, no surprise. But it,
1: I did have a bit of a vulnerability hangover at first. <laughs> yeah. I went through all the emotions of, oh my God, why did I do this? What am I doing? You know, spending my entire career being so private about my personal and private life and to then just giving it all up <laughs> so intimately was scary but also once it was done I feel free of all of it you know
0: yeah it was great to see I read like Monica's piece and the cut and it was great to see how sort of lovingly it feels I haven't read all of your press but that people have been holding your story and I found as someone not nearly as visible as you but when I am really honest or when I'm very revealing about myself and then there's no distance right there's no chasm between who you are and who you're presenting yourself as like Mm. the closer that distance gets it feels like the more protected you are because there's nothing you're guarding and there's nothing to exploit there
1: Mm. wow yeah That makes so much sense. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like the world sort of makes up their mind about who we are based on whatever it is they see about them, the choices they make, and they write their own narratives. And I feel like I have intimately known what that's like, you know, Mm -hmm. based on who I've dated or not. (laughs) So getting to tell my own story and write my own narrative feels like I am closing that gap that you speak of and, and going, well, if you're going to write a narrative about me, you might as well have the whole story. Yeah. And that has felt really nice to feel like, okay. And, and so, so now you, now you can make up your own mind now that you have the whole story.
0: And There's something, I mean, there's so much, I'm sure you're having this experience with readers who feel very seen in the pages of your book and the sort of reflection of, oh, we're the same person. I mean, as much as they can't be the Mm -hmm. same as you, but also sort of like, oh, we're the same person, which I would imagine is also in its own way relieving. I know you write about that as the motivation of writing this book. This is my childhood and this is where I am now.
1: Yeah. One of the things that really helped me was I have a coach <laughs> and she reminds me that, you know, shame needs an empathetic witness.
0: Mm.
1: And when we share our stories with other women or when I have shared my stories with people along the way that gave me the courage to finally share it on this level, each time I was met with someone who didn't shame me in response to some of the stories or or even better said, Oh my God, me too. Mm -hmm. We're the same. You know, we don't feel like we're bad anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I think we're all just sort of as sick as our secrets. (laughs) And the, the more that we can share these things, the more we realize our secrets are what keep us so disconnected. Right. And I just, I guess, became addicted to the feeling of being connected to more and more people, and so this response of of so many women reaching out to me and even men saying that that we're the same, and thank you for making them feel seen. And I just it's an overwhelmingly really beautiful feeling. and i mm-hmm. and and reassures me that I did do the right thing in sharing all of this in the way that I did.
0: well, I commend you for telling a really complicated story with complicated characters. In what felt overwhelmingly to me, like a love letter to your mother and mm. a deep and very human embrace. Like I can tell, and I as a writer, I know how hard it is to get closer and closer and closer and closer, and how you know I have a tendency too to you move right to defensiveness, typically, right? When you're sort of like, I don't, I don't wanna expose some of these core wounds or these things that would make people judge her. Like there's sort of that protective Mm -hmm. and desire to tell the truth. And I felt like you did it really beautifully. And it's very hard. I think particularly in a culture, which we can get to sort of like drama triangles and victimhood, And it's very difficult. So I commend you to hold someone very closely while also giving an honest reflection of what it was like without, going rushing to I mean you were a victim of course I don't want to like diminish that but the complexity that you bring to it and the way that you have transcended it or moved it is really Mm. difficult to tell the truth and to also say this is what happened and this is not it's defining but it's not you're not stuck in a trap so Mm. congratulations very hard to do.
1: Thank you so much. I worked really hard to do that very thing. So I appreciate I appreciate that so much because and even the word victim makes me go
0: <laughs> I know.
1: But but it's hard to deny that I guess at an age where you don't have control, some of the things I experienced, I was victimized, sure. Even that is so hard to say. It's so hard because, but it's
0: okay. It's it's part of we all move in, <laughs> in and out of victimhood and we can talk about that too.
1: Well, I think to be a victim insinuates that you don't have control right and so I'm very much in control now and I work so hard to make sure you know one that I'm in control and also to surrender control (laughs) yeah which are both very important but you know I just I'm not a victim now I'm not a victim anymore and 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 I worked really hard to make sure that I didn't tell this story from a place of being a victim Mm -hmm. And also to make sure that I didn't villainize my mom for making a lot of really poor choices, but to also see the humanness in her and maybe why people make poor choices and maybe aren't the best parents because maybe they're just also ill-equipped on their own and, and did the best that they could. And it's, it's, you know, I don't think anything is binary or, or, or good or bad. It is complex it was hard and it was, there was trauma, but there was also deep love mm-hmm. and, and fun. And so that was really difficult. And, and I mean, I had a therapist that I talk about in the book, tell me that my mother didn't love me and that she was bad. And I refused to accept that. Mm-hmm. And so the thing I asked the most often, every time I would share my writing or how it was going was, what do you think of her? She, I don't want to make her bad because she wasn't bad. So thank you for noticing that and acknowledging that.
0: I work sometimes with this woman who coaches the Enneagram and she works also with this conscious leadership group idea of below the line and above the line. And below the line is the drama triangle, which is victim, villain, hero, And then above the line, those ideas are transformed into creator, coach, and challenger. And But what's really beautiful about the work is that we sort of move within the drama triangles in our life. And at times, your mom was the villain. At times, she was the hero. She was the victim. And this is all very natural. This is normal. And Mm -hmm. so Courtney's point is that it's not about moving beyond the drama triangle and only living, again, like suppressing what's bad and hard and so that you can just be the creator or the coach. It's to move between Mm. the two and be conscious of sort of the dynamics that you're caught in. And Mm. to that end, you mentioned about your grandma's passing and sort of the pact that they had that they were going to raise you together and how that obviously didn't work out. And then you mentioned your grandfather at the end when you're And in in the sense of being the same as you, I also am like very comfortable. I used to watch procedures at the hospital. My mom, my mom is a nurse. She really wanted me to be a nurse so that I would have job security, could work anywhere, honorable career. So I also was like, oh, yeah, I could scoop vomit out of someone's mouth. I'm not at all Mm -hmm. freaked out by the body. But you only mentioned your sort of grandfather then. But as as you've lived this book and you ask your mom these questions at the end, which obviously she can't answer and maybe couldn't have answered in this life. Do you feel like you're getting clarity or getting closer to your whole line, all of your ancestors? Like, have you come closer to sort of her childhood in any way, or is that inaccessible to you?
1: Well, I think that's what I've tried to do as, as best I can is get as, close to or is like intimate with her childhood and her bringing to the best of my abilities with is little information or that I have yeah I'm not in touch with any of her family members so I can't ask a lot of questions and I never knew the questions to ask when I had her but I with the information that I do have I do feel like you know and also this is so much Therapy that that I've had that have helped me with this, you know. I mean, I did Hoffman process, which is <laughs> all about getting in touch with what made your parents and all of the pain and patterns that were passed down to them that are then passed down to you, and and so then you can find forgiveness for them, mm-hmm. and that that is a big part of this whole healing journey and and this book and making peace with my mom. You know, and you mentioned earlier about the hard parts and the, uh, so you said something just in the beginning of this about facing the hard parts. And it just made me think of, you know, how programmed we are to resist the darkness. Oh yeah. You were the levels you were talking about Yeah, above the line (laughs)
0: and below the line. Yeah.
1: Yes. And, and, and how, how important it is not to resist the darkness and the hard parts, but to stay curious about them Mm that has been a, a big lesson for me to embrace all of that and be curious about that, the whole spectrum of all of those levels. I just, yeah. and also how important it is to be cautious of when you do learn these things, not to, because I, I, I went through a process of, every time I would learn something, I would want to be the, the teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I ha- and I have to resist being like, well, do you know what that means? That, that actually means this. And, and have you unpacked that? <laughs> it's like, be careful because not everyone is, is ready to unpack things that you think they need to unpack. And so I've also had to learn to go to to bite my tongue and learn how to love the people in my life with this acronym that I just learned for love being let others voluntarily evolve and so it helps me bite my tongue when I feel like I have something to teach someone
0: yeah that's a good acronym that's a hard lesson it really is it's really hard yeah I also like to fix and I like to be the hero in that drama mm-hmm. triangle. Like, I like to come in and make everything better. and Exactly. Yeah, my preferred role. What, <laughs> when you think about your mom, what I also thought was really beautiful, and I know you've in some ways come back to this, and you can think about sort of temple priestesses and the cult of Isis and sort of the sacredness of sexuality and, and sexual dance. It didn't seem, at least in your telling – Like your mom felt victimized or traumatized necessarily by her line of work. I'm sure there were really bad moments. I'm not trying to gloss over it. But it seemed like she was more a victim of poverty and addiction and that she actually really enjoyed the creative act of the bag lady dance made me laugh, but that she didn't (laughs) hate what she did. I don't know if you... I don't know. It's complicated. And I know it's, again, we get into very tricky ground in this country about sort of what's what's joyful embodiment and what is taking advantage of vulnerable woman, women. But it's nuance, right? As all of these things are, it's complex. Like, how do you think about your mom and her relationship to her trade? You
1: know, she tried so hard to... It's funny. I, I'm like contradicting myself in my own mind before I even get my thought out, just because of how complex it is. But while I did feel a lot of the burden of her pain and stress and heartache, I also I also am very aware of how much she tried to hide it from me. Mm. So, and there were so so often I let her think she was hiding things from me. So often I did play dumb when she lied, when I mm-hmm. knew better. But it's interesting because I, I don't recall her ever expressing anything but fun for, with what she did for work. It did seem like she was having so much fun. But now that I'm an adult and I'm more aware of what goes on, I have to assume It was also very hard and especially hard when she got to an age where Mm -hmm. she either had to realize on her own or maybe someone told her, you're too old to be on stage. (laughs) It's not sexy anymore. We're going to move you to the bartender. That had to be so humiliating and so hard for her to accept that your beauty has now expired. Yeah, uh, men don't find you desirable anymore. You now have to be behind the bar because you're too old and you don't have a skill to get yourself out of this. This is your only currency or source of income. It, there's there's no other choice. That had to be incredibly hard for her. But I I never saw that. I never saw mm-hmm. that part. She never shared. She didn't know how to be vulnerable. She didn't know how to. I don't even know if she was vulnerable with herself, I think, which is why maybe the addiction of always constantly suppressing those hard feelings and it's okay. Everything's okay. Just maybe numb the pain Mm -hmm. with distraction and drinking and having, making the most and the best of any hard time.
0: Pulling the Thread is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes Max, my oldest, tells me he wants to go in the back of the house and talk. What he means by this is purely the verb. He doesn't want to have a conversation. He wants to talk, to vent and unload, to fill me with factoids. Mom, want to know 40 things about acid rain? But more often, to get things off his chest. It's fascinating to listen to him and what he perceives to be injustices, annoyances, and harms. I recognize that in those moments, he doesn't want advice or for me to higher mind him or for me to justify his own feelings to him, but simply to be a container for the one-sided stream, to just listen. I recognize what he's doing because I do it every week too, in therapy. I was thinking just the other week that it's rare to find someone who will just listen, maybe point out some patterns or hold me accountable when I say something wild. Wait, Elise, pause. Do you really feel that about yourself? Or why do you think you care about this so much? But aside from these moments of intervention when my therapist makes me reflect or feel, I'm doing the talking. And it helps me feel so much freer. Thank God for therapy. This is one of the reasons I'm very excited for therapeutic solutions like BetterHelp. They have licensed therapists who are available worldwide and specialize in depression, anxiety, sleep disturbances, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQA issues, grief, and self-esteem. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/ptt today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com/ptt. I want to talk about sort of desirability and beauty and the currency of that, because I know it's followed you and defined some of your relationships or your idea of your own value. And then I want to talk about sort of the sisterhood, this community of women that is so insistent, right, throughout your whole story, both for you and for your mom and for you through your mom. So, but let's talk a bit about what work have you done to sort of work on that feeling of like that your desirability is your currency? How have you managed to sort of move past that? I mean, obviously, you're a highly skilled actor. You're also a highly skilled surgical nurse. (laughs) (laughs) But what is that? How do you, how do you, (laughs) how do you, how have you processed that so that you don't, you can break that pattern?
1: I'm still working on that, you know, because my job, you know, the industry I'm in, constantly reminds us of those things of yeah. our looks fading or, or aging, or and that being our currency. I'm still, I think the 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 ways I've tried is just by working so hard at educating myself and reading as much as I can because I have such a deep insecurity about that, about not being able to have a conversation with someone like you (laughs) and not being, not having, you know, it's, it's true. I, I'm constantly in fear of not having something eloquent to say, or I'm just constantly, even now I'm, I'm so aware of making sure that I have something useful to contribute. And look, I'm still struggling to find my words as we speak right now and in, in trying to answer that question. So I clearly still have a lot to work, a lot of work to do around that.
0: That's why I think your book is also so so beautiful and so moving to watch it reach and and it's only just beginning. You're only one month in, but sort of to have people sort of apprehend or be like, oh, that's the beautiful, like, probably really wealthy cheerleader from Friday Night Lights, right? And then to actually have them move into something that is very real and very Mm -hmm. you has to be and I would I would hope it would be also a very validating experience. It's a beautiful book and beautifully told and and again really hard. I've read so many memoirs and I've certainly read the one read memoirs of people who I'm like, oh, I think you're going to regret this because there's still so much process rage typically at the mom because we women always bear the burden and then sort of a lot of relieving of the men and Mm. in a way that is so unprocessed and unhealed. So I feel like the fact that you are showing what it looks like to be like, yes, that was hard. That was really hard. I spent, you know, obviously you talk a lot about being a burden Which I want to get into too, because I think a lot of people will relate to that through sort of the abject neglect that you experienced and this being sort of moved around. But what's so, what I thought was just like beautiful about the story and the way that you honestly juxtaposed it against this instinct that you had to sort of leave women for, like, Abandon yourself to boyfriends and abandon yourself to men in the same way that your mom tended to do. But the backbone of your book, the structure of the book is held by Claudia and Angel and Mm -hmm. all of these women in your life who took you in, loved you. And I thought that was so, and still, it seems like you have that today.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's so beautiful,
1: I agree. I mean, it, I I just want to respond to everything that you say because <laughs> you first talked about releasing the book and being and telling the truth and being seen, and and there's no better feeling in the world than being seen for who you truly are, and after feeling so you know maybe misunderstood for a really long time and then finding enough courage to really reveal who uh, all of these these truths and shameful and scary and embarrassing experiences and, and receiving love for it and feeling seen. And it is a beautiful, I don't even know how to describe the, that feeling. It feels really nice. (laughs) And the thing of feeling like a burden is something, you know, all of these things, what I've learned is feeling like a burden or trying to get rid of this, idea that my looks are my only currency all of these things that I are so deeply ingrained in me will always be with me all these patterns Uh, the unfortunate thing I've learned is that they don't ever go away yeah they'll always be with me I just learn how to better manage them so when that thing comes up for me about I'm feeling like a burden right now don't take up too much space make yourself small I can at least notice those things now and make a, a different choice Yeah, And how I react to that feeling, right? So I feel I can notice now when I feel the urge to make myself small and not take up space. And so then instead I'll react by actually making sure that I do take up the space that I'm feeling inclined to take up and not feel like I have to apologize for it.
0: Mm. Yeah. it's hard. (laughs) Will you take us – I thought that that scene – I don't know if it was your very first acting class or you'd been sort of lingering in the background watching people, but can we talk about your voice and that amazing intervention mm-hmm. <laughs> from your acting teacher and sort of what was happening, what would happen? I'm quite obsessed with the voice and and girlhood and woman, women, how disconnected so many of us are from like even moving it deeper, right? So will you yeah. tell us that story?
1: So I am sort of newly, I just arrived to LA. I haven't been here very long. So I still have all of the sort of layers of masks that I had acquired to survive my childhood, which is a lot of makeup and hair. My voice is really high pitched. I navigated a lot of my childhood by, making myself small and sounding like a little girl to manipulate people into wanting to take care of me
0: mm.
1: as opposed, and as opposed to hurting me. And I was in my first acting class and I was doing an exercise with a guy on stage where we face each other. It's a Meisner exercise. It's called a, a repeat exercise where you are sitting across each other and just observing and experiencing what you're getting from the other one it's an exercise in learning to listen and pay attention to your fellow actor as opposed to being concerned with yourself and i was doing what i had seen other people do i was that's i was just doing what i thought i saw them do i wasn't actually in the experience i was performing the experience and i was in the middle of it the teacher stopped and she said stop 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 and we looked at her and she goes what the fuck are you doing and i went who, who him <laughs> and she goes no you what are you doing you you're talking like a little girl and you're manipulating him why are you doing that and i was like i oh, i don't even know what manipulating him means how do you manipulate someone i didn't know and she goes were you abused as a little girl and I went I I, I don't know I had never even considered that i would just been going through all the motions I never stopped to wonder if I and to answer that question in a room full of students watching quite literally with a spotlight on me on stage <laughs> was horrifying and embarrassing and humiliating and I started crying and i said i don't know or something and 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 she knew then and and then she changed her tone and said okay you can come down but i think one of the things that has gotten me here through all of that is knowing when something might be good for me even if it's tough you know i i went through a big period of my life thinking tough love is how you grow Mm-hmm. And I've I've since graduated from that mindset now. I also talk in the book about how I prefer gentle love now. <laughs> <laughs> this is but at that t- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But at that time, I was really excited by just someone paying that much attention to me. You yeah. know, her seeing me in that way was scary and it was embarrassing, but it also felt good. It also felt like, oh, I think she loves me (laughs) she said there's a woman in there let her out there is I didn't I didn't there's what is what does that even mean and that's how I be you know that's how I became an actress was just this first introduction to peeling back the layers and learning who I am it was like my introduction to therapy it was it was therapy for me at least at the time I didn't know that, I just knew I needed to keep going back and absorbing more of what this woman was offering.
0: Mm. And it's so interesting to think, I mean that, but when, when you told it, it gave me chills and it gave me chills when I read it too. And yes, being seen, but I would imagine too, that we we gaslight and I think we were much worse about this when when we you and I were growing up, we're about the same age. Gaslighting children, right? If you don't acknowledge what's happening, then it's not happening. And the child, as you said, you continually lied to your mom about you had a much deeper understanding of everything that was happening. And I'm curious, did any adult, any of these women or, you know, in the sex trade who took you in as a child while your mom was in the Philippines or wherever in jail, did any of them say... I know this is hard or did anyone mm. validate your experience or even, did you even know like this is abuse? No, I just thought this was one, how you discipline.
1: This is just, it, it all just is what it is at that age. And I think it's also why I'm also so sensitive to the idea of gaslighting today and why I'm so addicted to and so inspired by the truth today and mm-hmm. people telling the truth. And, you know, even I, I I have adults in my life who I did know then who are, are still struggling to admit to me that that was hard then. Right. Because I think the generation before us don't have that language or those tools to be vulnerable enough to go I'm sorry that must that was that was really hard and I had a hand in that I was a part of that and and it's too hard because I guess I don't know what the fear is is with what will happen if we tell the truth where that generation I feel was just so programmed to gaslight and to lie and to make perfect and everything is okay and 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 that's so confusing as a child When you know something's wrong here, but your parents are saying, nope, everything's fine. Yeah. And it's hard too, because depending on the age, their little brains can only handle so much truth and you are supposed to protect them from a lot of bad things. But at the same time, I think we underestimate how smart kids
0: really are. Oh, yeah. They know everything. They can feel it. They can feel the dissonance. But I think when you sort of snowplow over that or you don't acknowledge it or you don't try to repair. But I think even just saying, I know this is chaos and I wish it weren't. And you I I, will get through this. But Mm -hmm. like I think, you know, we know better now. But this certainly this wasn't, I don't think, how anyone was practicing parenting at all, much less my parents, or your mom, for that matter. It's really interesting. I'm just, I'm gonna go back to sort of that, this idea of currency, because this idea too, that is a cultural rule, that if you're sort of have a conforming body, if you have a beautiful face, if you have money, all of these things that we value so highly, socially and culturally, that you, nothing can be hard, right? What do you have? How could things possibly be hard for you, Minka? I think the more people like you who crack the veneer, right, of Mm -hmm. the more freedom I think people can find in whatever it is that they're experiencing, it's Mm. really interesting. and, And I think it's more compounding for women, certainly, right? There's just more pressure on us. When you think about Hollywood, do you see it evolving and changing or do you still feel like women are just iced out or become invisible? I, I can't tell. I don't like study it. And I don't follow it closely enough to know whether anything is changing.
1: I think there is some change. I don't really know myself either, but I do feel inspired by, you know, the women out there who are insisting we hear stories from women, you know, like the Reese Witherspoons of it all and Carrie mm-hmm. Washington, who are all working so hard to make sure that, you know, Margot Robbie are just working so hard yeah. to make sure that there is a safe space for women to tell their stories and that we deserve equality. But, you know, of course, there's still a really long <laughs> way yeah. to go.
0: This might be an oddball question and- we can cut it if it is but i always think about actors it gives me like some anxiety to think about you guys as sort of these channels vessels right where you're bringing in characters you're telling other people's stories you're inhabiting other people's lives in a way how do you keep yourself safe and how do you keep yourself separate in a way like how do you how do you not merge I don't know. As an outsider to the, outsider to the practice, like I wonder if it. I also wonder about this with with fiction writers as well. When you're sort of bringing, you're bringing through characters. Do you ever feel like? Do you have a process for sort of being like this is I'm this is Minka this is my character or maybe, or is it ever healing? The
1: first thing that I think of is, I. I wonder if actors like Daniel Day-Lewis are able to actually separate like real proper character actors that really are, are on a whole other stratosphere. I, I, I wonder that question for them because for me, I feel like I just bring so many parts of myself to my work. And so I am able to feel all the things deeply and then let them go. Yeah. So and I, I do and I have gotten a lot of my stuff, my pain out in my work. But for me, it it is really healing to access a lot of the pain or the things I've been through when I'm at work. Because it's a safe place to put it. It's where I'm supposed to have these big feelings. It's where I won't be bad for having them and then once you feel them as bigly as you do it all just goes away so you know I I was working on something where this woman had to was experiencing being gaslit and lied to and cheated on and all these things and I got to really air out all of that experience mm-hmm. that I actually had in my life and access those things and And it was really healing for me because once that job was done, I felt all those wounds were farther away from me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we sort of do as actors is we collect all these experiences in our lives, all these little bruises and pains, and we just kind of store them in parts of our body, which is
0: not healthy.
1: (laughs) Then we access them when we go to work, like, ah, I'll bring that one up and I'll put that here.
0: No, that makes sense. I'm exceedingly careful about what I buy, not only because I live in a 1,500-square-foot house with children who sure have an awful lot of stuff, but also because I try to be conscious about everything I use. And sure, I want to use everything I buy. In addition, thanks to a decade in the wellness industry, I am very keyed into product claims and product content. This is why I like Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin, which is clinically backed with high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. I also like their Symbiotic Plus 2, which is a probiotic that's simple and effective. Ritual makes the most elegant multivitamin around. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus has everything you need, specifically nine key nutrients, in two capsules per day. Their unique beetleton oil is so slick it's actually patented, and their capsule has a delayed release design, which is brilliant and essential, to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. And Ritual studies their vitamins, which is not the standard in the industry. Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, The results, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. As most of us are getting far less sun right now, vitamin D supplementation is essential. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Did I also mention that Ritual is a certified B Corp and female-founded? Nothing makes me happier than these two facts. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com thread. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash thread for 25% off. You write about sort of the therapist who told you that your mom didn't love you, which is wild to me. I feel like that feels like a uh, breaking some sort of essential bond. But what has been, and you mentioned Hoffman, I know you've done ayahuasca, EMDR, And I don't know if it's been a journey where you've been able to sort of get, like, did you feel like you had to sort of break down, I mean, ayahuasca, so um, I've never done it, but I'm terrified. What for you has sort of been the most significant in allowing you to sort of go back to your childhood and get close, get close to your mom, though I would argue you were never not close to your mom, even though you were alienated from her at times. I
1: think the, One of the biggest lessons, you mentioned ayahuasca and I I think I sort of touched on this a little bit earlier, but the biggest lesson was preparing to do ayahuasca, Mm. which was, I had a friend who's done it a whole bunch of times and they're the ones who said, if it does become dark and scary, don't resist it. Don't try to push it away. Don't try to shut your eyes. Don't wish it away, but stay curious and ask it what it's here to show you what it you know if you see sometimes see people see big scary insects or animals and you don't want to look but but it's in in it's those moments specifically that are there to show you the most and to teach you the most and we're all so programmed and taught because it's how we survive to suppress pain and not face dark scary things but so for me and what was really helpful was that lesson of don't resist the darkness. Don't resist or be afraid of the hard stuff. Stay curious. What is it Mm going to teach me? What is the lesson? And I think that was proud. That's still the most profound thing for me in my life is to not bury my head in the sand when something is hard, but to remain curious.
0: Well, and to, you know, I'm always cautious in our culture where we sort of wanna, I don't even know the right words for this, but sort of celebrate struggles. Although I do think that we should in some ways, it's complicated, but again, to not sort of not dwell in the victim narrative or for people to feel, oh, this is the other really critical part of the above the line and the below the line is that when you're in below the line, and and to be clear, we're sort of above the line and below the line in, in the course of every day. But when we're below the line, we feel like we're sort of – the the world is affecting us. And when we're above the mm-hmm. line, we feel like we're affecting the world. We're in control mm-hmm. of our own narrative. And I would say what's definitely shined through and tell me everything is your durability and the fact that this was really hard and yet – Here you are. I know it's still hard. I'm sure it's still hard. And I'm sure you miss your mom and probably wish you had had a slightly different childhood. But do you feel like in a way, like what, what would you have wanted? And what would your mom have wanted? Do you, what do you, as you dig sort of beneath the addiction... What do you think that she wanted? You mentioned she'd sort of done a tiny bit of acting and that it was like thrilling for her to sit in Video Village and watch you act. But what do you think, what did you sense that your mom really wanted for her life? It's interesting because you
1: mentioned it being hard and it made me think like when you're in it, it doesn't, You, I, I don't think you have time to think this is hard. Mm-hmm. It just, especially when you're young, everything just is what it is. The hard part is when you're an adult and you're unconsciously finding yourself in these loops of dysfunctional relationships and hurting your friendships and being so reactive to your emotions and being so defensive all the time and constantly looking for signs that someone's going to hurt you and that hypervigilance of finding it. And then the confirmation bias of any hint of, someone not being who you thought they were telling you you're in danger yeah that's the hard part is unpacking all of that and you know seeing life as it is not as you are you know and knowing that everything isn't happening to you it's just happening Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: and that's how you or I got myself out of victimhood was I just thought everything was happening to me and everything was about me. And once I was able to go, ah, no, I get to just observe everything happening around me. It's all happening no matter what. And none of it has anything to do with
0: me. Yeah.
1: That was a really freeing thing to learn. And I think maybe to answer your question, my mom probably would have loved to have learned that herself you know, because she really was very much a victim and everything was happening to her and everything was hard and it was, but she didn't have the tools to persevere and get out of that cycle of victimhood and helplessness. And she was very strong, but she didn't have a lot of tools And there wasn't a lot of tools being offered back then. We didn't have the language we have now. We didn't have access to the information we have now. We were in a little bubble in Albuquerque.
0: Yeah.
1: Just trying to like live every day. You know, and I I am not thankful for how hard it was. I don't believe we have to suffer to be great people. Mm -hmm. I do believe great empathy and depth and love come from all these hard parts. Yes, but I don't think that they're a requirement for empathy. So when it comes to the narrative or the adage of, I'm so thankful for this painful thing, it's a great way for us to survive these painful things. But I I resist the urge to be thankful for how hard things were sometimes because what I think of is, man, if I'm this despite all of that, who would I be had all of that not happened? Had I had proper guidance and education and a parent who nurtured my interests, what kind of instrument would I be playing right now? How many languages would I be speaking right now? What sort of companies would I be running right now? You know, Because mm-hmm. when I tap into certain things in the world and my curiosities, when I'm living, I, I, I think, God, I'm good at this a little bit. Wow, I wonder what I would be capable of, you know? So that makes me begrudge the hard things. It doesn't make me thankful of them. It makes me go, God,
0: what if? That was beautiful. And I think, you know, a book like Richard Rohr's, like Second Half of Life, you know, this stuff's for, it's not for children, you know? This is for adults. This is for me, you know, having had a really stable and solid upbringing and having a lot of opportunity particularly around education now it's I'm ready I'm ready for I'm I'm equipped but yeah I think these the suffering shouldn't doesn't belong to children at all and it's one of our sort of great failings as a country I think that so many children are are victimized by poverty and abuse and neglect and lack of opportunity and an inequitable school system, all of it. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting now do you will you write more? I mean, you're clearly also will you, are you just sort of on a perpetual path of educating yourself and going deep, deep into this world? constantly
1: i'm I'm it's my favorite thing is this growth. I mean, that's why I, I'm sorry, but I love your book so much. I feel like your book is like the next level of my book. You talk about everything that I talk about in my book, but in such a beautiful and educational way that is so exciting and fun to read. I feel so seen in all of the stories you share in your oh, book. So I, I could read so many things that I've highlighted where I'm just like, yes, yes, that part where, you know, I'm uh, about, women being pitted against each other and not understanding the difference between jealousy and envy and Mm -hmm. being comfortable with envying and how that's such a dirty word and all of these complicated, I've had so many complicated relationships with women and I've been saved by so many women in my life. But I've also been hard on a lot of women in my life because I thought tough love was the way to go and brutal honesty was the way to go. And I would, I, I and, and I've also witnessed women in my life do the thing you talk about in your book, which is, ugh, she bugs. I don't like her. And you're like, but well, why? <laughs> because she's big and she takes up space and she's beautiful and she's successful. And that threatens me because if she has that, then I can't. Where that's, I don't know where we learned that.
0: <laughs> yeah, scarcity. It's sort of what yeah. is in the water. And it's interesting to think, you know, what I was trying to do is distill and synthesize sort of the cultural realities of what it is to be a woman regardless of you know I grew up in a upper middle class family in Montana and you grew up between LA and New Mexico and like that we all we all have sort of the intricacies of our own lives and our own childhoods and yet this cultural programming i think is the most insistent voice in our heads that yes, tells us there's only going to be one. If she's the prom queen, then you're not this rivalry and competition that doesn't exist in the same way for men particularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we could go very deep on that too. I remember
1: even being in high school, I wasn't allowed to be pretty. So Mm -hmm. it's this really complicated journey with being pretty, you know, that, I'm sure a lot of people would scoff at going, Oh Minka, you you've had this career. You it's solely probably because you're pretty. No. <laughs> well, thank you.
0: I contest um, that.
1: But it has helped and I understand that. But when I was it's it's wild because in junior high school and high school it, it was, Oh, you think you're pretty? Oh, she's conceited. Or, and so I was constantly, no, I'm not. I don't think I am. I'm not. Look at how I'm not. I dress like a boy. I, uh, you know, I, I, I hide myself. I make myself small. And, and I'm still unlearning that,
0: you know. Yeah. I woke up at 2 a.m. last night drenched in sweat, throwing bedding off of me. Every pet was also on top of me, which probably didn't help. Many nights, I have the opposite problem, where I'm hunting in the hall closet for extra blankets in the wee hours because I'm freezing. In part, this is because my husband and I have wildly different sleep temperature preferences, and I'm cold because he's left all the sliding doors in our house wide open. But there's actually a solution I've come to learn. And I'm all about a sleep solution because we know how important good uninterrupted sleep is for every facet of health. Have you heard about Chili Pad by Sleep Me? It's a bed cooling system designed to revolutionize the way you sleep naturally. The ChiliPad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature, from 55 to 115 degrees. You can also choose a different setting than your partner so you each get what you need. What I want, a cool mattress with piles of blankets on top. ChiliPad believes sleeping at the optimal temperature helps people naturally reach their highest potential physically and mentally. Visit www.sleep.me/thread to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code THREAD. This offer is available exclusively for Pulling the Thread listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleepslleep.me/thread because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. It was powerful at the end that you and your friends went and decided to do a pole dancing class with former strippers as your instructors, women who you would have sort of recognized as like an archetype from your childhood. And that there was this, you know, I mean, I write about it I don't know if you've gotten to the chapter on lust. Very curious for your thoughts on that. But similarly, like I dress like a boy. I have short hair. I do whatever I can to not – I mean, I'm in my 40s now, so it's not – it's different, but not putting my body on display. Mm -hmm. And – you know, I think as women, we vacillate wildly. I mean, I certainly haven't always been like that, but that back and forth of like, do I let this be a thing? Or do I keep this to myself? Do I conceal, reveal, conceal, reveal? And, and what is who is this for? Is this for me? Or is this about sort of that edict that we all get to be desirable, but Mm -hmm. never desiring? So I thought that was also really beautifully told in your book, sort of like the and even just the fact that you worked in a peep show and, but the glass, like the way that you, that your intro is stunning, the way that you set that up for readers, like in a glass cage, does not make you safe? Oh, it's so intense. I feel like you could write many books, Minka, mm-hmm. even just about, about that, because I don't know of all of the things for girls now today, it's like, what's for us and what's for the world? and how do we decide and when is it empowering and when is it not? And I don't know, have you, do you feel like you've come to peace with that?
1: No, not at all. I I, I go back and forth and I'm constantly unpacking my entire programming around that, you know, and my rebellion to what my mother was, how comfortable mm-hmm. she was with her sexuality. And using her body as her currency and my rebellion was to do the opposite and and to be afraid of doing that just because i saw it go away and not be currency anymore i saw that you know so maybe to some detriment to my career i don't know maybe i'd be a little more successful if i were more brave in sharing more of myself in that way I have gone back and forth of giving myself permission to be sexy and then regretting it and wanting to take it back and wanting to prove to myself that I can be successful without using my body but then also being so proud of seeing women so confidently and comfortably sharing their bodies on Instagram where I'm clutching my pearls. (laughs) (laughs) But simultaneously going, fuck yeah, go girl. I've spent too much time judging my mother for doing it. And while I'm still too afraid to do it, I'm so proud of how we're all becoming a more sex positive place for women to do whatever it is that makes them feel confident or empowered I'm still figuring that out still.
0: Yeah, I think it's so big. I I have no resolution around it either. And it's so nuanced, obviously, because our culture is not particularly safe and not particularly kind Mm -hmm. to women like your mother, to women who are, quote unquote, asking for it. We have such a terrible culture of Mm -hmm. sexual violence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's awful. One scene that I thought was so beautiful was when your birth father when Rick came to sort of support you in supporting your mother's passing that moment where she walks she sees him Mm -hmm. actually recognizes him in her shirt and her diaper and just curls Mm -hmm. up on his lap was so beautiful that Mm -hmm. that's really what she wanted right was just to be
1: the whole time
0: held yeah oh
1: By him in particular, right? And so I think of all the times she expressed hatred for him and didn't want to ever see him or be around him where you're like, oh, but deep down, she was just so in love with him and insecure Mm -hmm. and didn't feel worthy of his love because she would be so intimidated of some of the conversations that she felt left out of, you know, that him and I would have. And she would just remove herself from the room because, you know, she was jealous of me being a sponge to him and being in such awe of his wisdom. And my dad was one of the first people to plant the seed of loving and finding compassion for people who hurt you. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people would, ask me aren't I mad at him for not being there for the first 17 years of my life but I'm just so thankful that he's here now because of the many wisdoms that he has given me that being an example and I also talk about how he handled his divorce and taking accountability for your side of things when things go wrong and not being a victim I I, I just think one of the biggest things for me is just resisting the urge to be a victim in any way, shape or form and not blame anyone else for things going wrong and and knowing that it takes two in these relationships. Accountability and honesty and vulnerability are the most inspiring and sexy things to me. (laughs) In friendships and in relationships, just in life period, you know, and like this book is like my little, I wish we could all come with a handbook of like, hi, these are all my bruises and tangled up bits and how I'm trying to heal them. Do you want to hang out and talk about it? (laughs) Anytime. (laughs)
0: I'm proud of Minka. I I think telling the truth about your life in any way is hard, but the way that she exposes her insides to the world and her mother and the people who, in some ways it's hard to call them co-parents, but who were there to sort of, the the nets that caught her as a child, she does it very deftly. It's a really, really... I, I'm, the word is not interesting because it's much more loving than that, but I will say that it's not trauma porn, even though so much of what happens to her is stunning and sad and you'll want to reach into the book and, and hold this child. But it's not told for that effect. She is really writing from a place of a scar and not an open wound And it's really hard to hold people's open wounds or to make them useful in the world. And clearly she's not entirely resolved and she's still working through everything that's happened to her and everything to come. But it is a book of healing and I think it will offer healing to a lot of others as well. She writes, this is after She loses her virginity to this guy hes we'll just cut to it, he's a jerk. She thinks that this is really how it's supposed to work, that she's supposed to trade her virginity for protection for an arm over her shoulders. And she writes, I'd spent a decade and a half seeing how mom found men to protect and care for her. For years, I've been trying to do the exact opposite of whatever she chose so I wouldn't fall into the same traps. I knew I didn't want a life like my mother's, so I worked hard to graduate from high school to show I was not like her. And every choice I made, I selected the opposite option from what she would have done. And that's the weird thing about family patterns. Even though we want to follow a different path than our parents, and in real time, we think we are doing just that, we see later that we were, in fact, following in their footsteps the whole time. As Carl Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Only I didn't know that then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find show notes and full transcripts of the episodes at elisepodcast.com. While there, please sign up for my Substack newsletter. I send a short note every Wednesday about topics that are aligned with this show and a deeper dive on Sundays or follow me on Instagram at Elise Lunen. Meanwhile, if you haven't already, please pre-order my book coming May 23rd. It's called On Our Best Behavior, The Seven Deadly Sins and the Price Women Pay to Be Good. And it's an exploration of the ways we've been programmed to police ourselves and each other. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors who make this show possible. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow Pulling the Thread, available for now, for free, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to give a shout out to Phil Svitek, Lauren LaGrasso, Mary-Kate McDonough, Ali Brockman, and the entire Cadence 13 team for producing these episodes, and to Valero Duval for my key art. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week.